Learning scripture, knowing Christ. Welcome to the Hashtag One Fear podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hashtag One Fear podcast. Uh, t- this week's episode is part two of a conversation that we've been having with Sarah M. Bowen. Uh, actually, it was all one conversation. It was an excellent conversation that was going a little long. So we split it up into two. And there's a lot of great content concerning pro-life. And uh, so if you missed the first one, go back uh, to the previous episode before this one and listen to that one. And this is where we pick up uh, where we left off. Uh, so please enjoy Concerning Pro-Life with Sarah M. Bowen, part two. I told you I wouldn't have any problems talking. <laughs> <laughs> to clarify, she brought no notes at all. I don't do they're, notes. They're yeah. all up in her head. It's all in my brain. She's an excellent speaker. Well, and no one can see my face, so I can make as many faces as I want. But you don't hide those whenever you speak. No, but sometimes I think about it, and then I realize, <laughs> nope, nope, they're coming Did my out. Face like that just face. say that? I know. Okay, so, okay, again, worst thing I've ever done. Not oh really. Gosh. Well, kind of. I actually lived a very plain and vanilla life. But so I'm in, I'm in a, um, I know, I'm honestly, like, if I ever ran for office, the opposing people would cry, because I've. There's Honestly, nothing. I'm so boring. <laughs> There's so nothing boring. they can pull on you. Not really. They'll bring up the diaper, free diaper thing. Probably. They'll be like, yeah. you know what she did? She used to give out free diapers, by golly. Um, so I was in a church and I was speaking and it was the pastor couldn't be there. His daughter had just had a baby. And so the one of the retired pastors was going to do like the rest of the service. And I was supposed to do the message, which is totally fine. And then, so, but my time ended up being kind of short. I don't know if it was just like the kind of chaos of the pastors in here or whatever. And so I did go a little bit past noon and at noon, somebody's watch went off and like immediately this pops out of my mouth. Like it, it's like, I couldn't stop it if I wanted to. And oh, I was boy. like, oh my goodness, is that the shut up and go home alarm? <laughs> <laughs> and I was immediately like, dear sweet Jesus, please don't let that be a donor. <laughs> Like, I'm like, I'd have to call my boss and be like, we just lost a supporting church. <laughs> Did you watch people's faces? Oh, everyone but one person thought it was hysterical. Oh, good. Like, okay. I knew exactly whose watch that was. <laughs> That's the, the filter popped out somewhere. It was gone. It's gone. <laughs> it's great, though. At least you didn't lose them. Oh, I... they were engaged in that moment. I don't know if they heard anything else, but in that moment, they were all like, we are awake and we are here. <laughs> it was beautiful. You want to give your talk again? Now yeah, we're exactly. All awake? By the way, I'm the pro-life lady. Oh yeah. my gosh. So one of the things that you, we didn't really talk much about, can you talk a little bit about your chat line? Oh yeah. Okay. So no, cause that's not, that's not just in the U S no, correct? actually it's yeah. not even mostly in the U S which oh. is wild. Okay. So this is like the best story of accidental ministry ever. And probably the best part about this is I accidentally started an entire international ministry and forgot <laughs> forgot to tell my board of directors. Yes. So when it first started happening, basically we we started this website called athomeabortionfacts.com. And the whole point of the website is to educate women about the risks and the dangers and the side effects of the at-home abortion. So we're talking an abortion where they um, they haven't had a medical exam, they haven't been seen by a doctor, um, they may or may not be getting the pills from somebody who's reputable. And so they're basically like, I'm pregnant, I think this is how far along I am, I'm going to take pills at home. It's a really bad idea. Like, I can't even consistently color my hair well at home. Like, there is no way anybody should be aborting at home. And then you end up with, like, girls are hemorrhaging. You know, you are um, you don't know exactly what to expect. They're ending up with infections. I mean, it's just a really They're bad deal. They're further along than they thought, and they're, here's a full-blown baby yes. laying on their floor. Yes, yes. And, um, and we've had that happen. Yeah. So the very first day that the, chat, the website is up, we get a message from someone in South Africa. 
And over the next several weeks, we would get like one or two a week. And so I definitely put it in a board report, but it was like one line. And there was something else going on that that meeting that was like super important. I don't remember what it was, but it wasn't this. And so then two months later, the next board meeting rolls by and I'm like, so funny story. Um, we've actually talked to now uh, like 50 women who from overseas and the number is climbing like every day. Like we went from like one or two a week to like 13 or 14 in a day. And we weren't advertising. Like they were just coming to us. And every single woman was like, I want to have an abortion. What do I do? And so we talked to her and we explained about fetal development. And we talk about our options. We talk about our situation. And then we would find a pregnancy center for her in her community if we could. So pregnancy centers are all over the world. Um, and, and so we would, there's a worldwide directory we utilize to find them and then connect them. And then when they didn't have a pregnancy center in their community or in their country, um, we would actually start reaching out to churches and basically say, Hey, we have this this girl, she's pregnant. She doesn't know what she wants to do. Can you offer her like godly counsel and support and encouragement? And we would just keep going until we found a church. It was like, it's like every church is on Facebook. Like I'm like talking to pastors in Malawi and I'm like, Hey, (laughs) this is Sarah from the U S and I'm probably half of them are like, this is like, this is like the, the extended car warranty. They're like, this is like, this is that American girl is back claiming that she's pro-life again. Like what is happening? Oh my God. And so through this, we have like all these, we have all these pastors who are like, man, we should start a pro-life ministry. And, and now they're running pregnancy centers out of their churches, which is super cool. Um, so as of today, and I did not look at the numbers before I came, but we are well over 12,000 individual women, most wow. of them from the developing world. So over 60 countries now, um, and mostly from Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. Occasionally we'll get someone from the U.S. or from Europe, but it's usually those three big areas. And this is when just did... like since 2020? This is since the very end of 2019. So yeah. we saw yeah. 40, we, we talked to 45 individual women. And like, this is like individuals. Um, I'm not counting like messages or conversations. Like these are actually, so some of these women we've talked to over the course of several months. Okay. You know, like we continue that relationship with them. Um, so in 2020 or 2019, it was like 45 by the end of the year. And then by the end of 2020, it was over 3000. And then 2021, we talked to 6,000 and we're on track to do over 6,000 this year. You guys are pretty almost nonstop active on the chat. Oh my goodness. It's constant. It's actually made personal boundaries for all of us really hard because now like you literally have abortion minded women just like chiming around in your pocket. Yeah. And so you're like, well, I mean, I could eat dinner or I could save a baby. Yeah. I mean, like eventually you do have to eat dinner. Yes. But, um, but it's, it's, yeah, it's hard. I, I was just thinking the time difference mm-hmm. too, between all those areas. Well, we actually have to be really thoughtful about the time difference. So they're typically ahead of us. Um, and so I might be chatting with someone at 6 PM and it's midnight her time. And so if she's just kind of like going in circles, like we've referred her, we've talked about options. We've, I'm like, go to sleep. And like, not to be like, sleep does wonders. Yeah. Not to be like bossy or whatever. I mean, she's in charge of her own destiny, but just be like, you know, it's really late where you are. You're really tired. Like, why don't you go to sleep and we'll talk in the morning. And then we do our best. Like if we tell someone we'll follow up next week, we'll follow up tomorrow. Um, We do that. So we make sure we reach back out to them. Hey, how are you doing? Did you talk to your parents? Did you talk to your boyfriend? Um, Did you talk to a doctor or whatever? So the weird thing is that this whole thing exploded overseas, um, but we did not get as many Americans as we thought we would. And with the Dobbs decision and the Roe reversal, a lot of very large, very well-funded pro-choice organizations are pushing the at-home abortion. Hmm. So Mari Stopes, um, Aid Access, obviously Women on Web, because that's all they do. But even like Doctors Without Borders and the World Health Organization are pushing like these tutorials of how to have an at-home abortion. 
And what they're not talking about are like the infection risks, the level of blood. What do you do if you have a premature baby at home? Um, how do you cope with this? And it's so, so frustrating because they're, they're saying, oh, it's safer than a Tylenol. Um, it just, it's like a heavy period. <laughs> safer than a Tylenol. And I'm like, I'm, and I tell, I've told clients this before, if they're, if we're in that place where I feel like I can share, but I had a miscarriage at 11 weeks. It is not a heavy period. Like no. that's a lie from hell. Yeah. And so when you have a young girl expecting a heavy period and now she's miscarrying, essentially miscarrying, forcing yeah. a miscarriage at home, she thinks she's bleeding to death. Yeah. yeah. That, that's traumatic. So traumatic. Yeah. And then, um, and some of these tutorials actually admit like, oh, and you may see the baby, just flush it. Hmm. Like these people are going to need counseling for the rest of their lives. <coughs> well, and that's what we're finding is the trauma from an at-home abortion is much worse than the trauma from an in-clinic abortion. Um, we're also seeing the trauma really surface much, much sooner. So instead of it being 10 years after the abortion experience, it's three weeks. Yeah. Hmm. And they're just devastated. In fact, um, I did a training for a post-abortive helpline, and they said some of the stories are just absolutely horrific of women delivering nearly... Um, not term necessarily, but nearly viable children at home alone. Yeah. And we've had, so just on the chat line, I can share these two stories of just an example of how this can go wrong. I had a young woman who reached out to us and she said, I took abortion pills a week ago and I've been bleeding ever since. That's actually not super uncommon. Um, and we don't diagnose over the chat. We're not, I'm obviously not going to be able to diagnose someone via chat. Like that's not, I don't care if you are a doctor, you can't do that. But I did want to kind of, it was night where she was, and um, I knew she had access to emergency care, but that it wouldn't necessarily be easy to, to get to. So I didn't want to just be like, go to the emergency room, which is what we would do in the U.S. Yeah. Because like emergency rooms are always open. They're easy to get to. I knew that she would have a challenge getting to an ER. And so I was like, okay, tell me about how much you're bleeding. How many pads are you soaking? And she goes, well, I bought a box of 20 Kotex yesterday and I have two left. And oh. she had been bleeding that heavily for a week. It's a miracle she's not dead. Yeah. Um, same night, absolute same night. On This is one night on the chat. Okay. Another woman from an, another country messages me and she goes, I don't know what to do. I thought I was 10 weeks pregnant and I took these abortion pills and my water broke. Oh my gosh. So obviously much further along than 10 weeks. And then she tells me, and this is something we're seeing pretty common. Um, if they have children already, what they do is they, they put the kids to bed on like a Friday night. And then they do the abortion thinking they can get through the worst of it before the kids get up. And then over the weekend they can deal with it and then they can go to work on Monday or you know, whatever their weekend is. And that's, that's, and I get it as a mom, like, when do you do your clay mask? When do yeah. you pay bills? Like you wait till the kids are in bed. Right. And so she's like, I don't know what to do. I was like, you have to go to the, get emergency care right now. Cause you're way further along than you think you are if your water broke. And she goes, well, what do I do? My kids are in bed. And I'm like, do you have an aunt? Do you have a cousin? Do you have a sister? Do you have a neighbor? And so she ended up getting the neighbor to, to come watch the kids. And the next morning we messaged her and we're like, oh my God, are you okay? Like, how's everything going? And she's like, I, you saved my life. She's like, because I got, as soon as I walked into the hospital, I started hemorrhaging. Hmm. And she's like, if you hadn't told me to go to the hospital, I would have stayed at home and I would be dead. Did she say how, did she find out how far along she was when she went? I didn't ask. Um, but water breaking is a yeah. pretty good sign that, much further along. Another one we had, and this is all stuff we're seeing overseas, but we know it's coming here because yeah. it's the same. People are people. Yeah. Right? Like the, women There's are women. There's not some like the ocean doesn't divide how people function. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, talking to an African teenager is a lot like talking to an American teenager. Yeah. Um, 
we had a young girl that messaged us and she said she wanted an abortion and I asked her when her last period was and she told me and I showed her a fetal development image. I think it was about 20 weeks along, 18 weeks along. And she's like, and I told her, I said, you're way too far along for a safe at-home abortion. Like none of them are safe, yeah. but you really shouldn't be. 20 weeks, you can't do it. Yeah. Um, and, and they're only, the FDA says you should only use them up to, I think, I want to say 10 weeks, but even at 10 weeks, it has like a 13% failure rate. Yeah. So it, they're not a good idea. And so this girl is like, okay, you know, this is a real baby and, and this fetal model is really speaking to me and you're right. I, I need to do this. I need to have this baby. And I'm like, that is great. I'm going to check base with you in like a couple weeks, talk to your mom, talk to your parents, you know, get booked in for prenatal care, whatever you need to do. She's like, okay. Eight days later, I message her and I'm like, hey, how's it going? And she's like, oh, I had the baby. Eight pounds. Full term baby. Wow. She was off on her dates by 20 weeks. Not oh. because... My yeah, not because she's stupid, not because I don't trust women or, you know, all of the yeah. other, I'm not saying anything bad about her. She's just a real sweet kid who got pregnant and didn't know how to count her dates or her periods continued into pregnancy or she forgot her last period. I mean, fill in the blank. It could be yeah. anything. Hmm. Um, and she ends up being essentially full term. Wow. And if you go for an at-home abortion, most of the time you're taking Mifeprex and then you wait and then you take misoprostol or Cytotec. And, but a lot of them aren't doing that first step. They're just taking the second at Cytotec. Well, you know what Cytotec is, right? You've never used it with any of your, oh, you're like super crunchy. I was like begging for Cytotec <laughs> by the time. <laughs> Cytotec, Cytotec induces labor. Like that's oh. its whole job. So like you can go in at full term and like get Cytotec and have a baby. It's fantastic. It's like the most magical drug on the face of the planet. <laughs> I just didn't know about it. You should get you some if you get pregnant again. Let me tell you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down. <laughs> Um, and it's great because you it, it like induces labor and you have a baby and everybody's happy. Well, it also works mm. to induce labor earlier in pregnancy. But the, the, the thing is, if you're 20 weeks, 25 weeks, 30 weeks, 35 weeks, it's going to work. Yeah. If you take enough, you're going to have a baby. Yeah. Um, and the circumstances surrounding that can be very traumatic. I think that's like the sad part. I mean, it's all sad, but like you're talking about like an 11 week miscarriage and how it's more than just bleeding. And the same thing with like, hours at 14 weeks i was mm. in actual labor yeah and i was put into labor and delivery and had her but you're nobody's telling these girls that that like when you're at that stage you're passing a placenta you're pl it's all there oh yeah and you're gonna see it yes and they tell you and this is these are the actual instructions just flush the toilet and if it doesn't go down keep flushing that's ridiculous it is ridiculous so they're expecting girls to deliver a child at home alone into a toilet and, then and are then, they held accountable, like, if these girls hemorrhage? Well, no, because chances are if they're getting the pills illegally, they're getting mm. them from out of the country. So is, is anything with abortion being done about abortion pills? Like, are they being regulated or anything? It's really hard to regulate. So some legislatures are trying. I know that Louisiana is trying because I talked to um, one of the people from Louisiana Right to Life. But it's extremely hard to regulate because if they're coming from out of the country, mm. how can you stop them? Yeah. Um, how are you going to go after that? Like, how are you going to keep them from coming into the country? Another, I watched a Vice documentary and it was talking about women going into Mexico and buying like trunk loads of Cytotec and bringing it in and like selling it to women. Hmm. I mean, I guess theoretically you could catch the woman who's selling it out of her trunk and jail her. Um, but they're also developing these sort of underground abortion networks because of course we can't live without abortion, right? You know, we don't want to help women have babies. Um, we don't want to be there for them. We don't want to support them. We want to make sure they get abortion. And so they're talking about like crowdsourcing abortion pills. And um, I read one article and it, 
it was trying to be very positive, but essentially this woman who had her professional life was a hairdresser was helping other women abort. And I'm like, I love my hairdresser. Um, she's fantastic, but not qualified to help women go through an at-home abortion. And so it's like those kinds of things are just starting to pop up and it's real crazy. And the people who are suffering are the mothers, yeah. the women, because they end up in a situation they weren't expecting. And now what do they do? Yeah. And it's, it's awful. It's absolutely awful. So we're working on, we actually have a board meeting in a couple of days. Um, and we're going to talk about like what our role is nationally, which is kind of overwhelming, you know, just yeah. us here in Western Pennsylvania, but it's so important. Like girls need to have someone they can talk to. Um, that will give them really good information about what they're potentially going to do. Yeah. So what would be a good takeaway or like a, your biggest piece of advice? I know it's kind of hard with this topic, but maybe like to encourage going forward as things are kind of getting uglier mm -hmm. and um, maybe an encouragement for Christians, but also just an encouragement altogether of, I don't, I don't even know how to say it, but like we're, Pregnancy like, sometimes aren't the right? enemy. Like, how do we continue this mission mm -hmm. in a world that's looking how it's looking? So I think the thing is the church has to wake up. Yeah, I was going to ask that question. Where How, how much, kind of going in line with this question, how much of uh, Christians out there have been completely silent? Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, honestly, like, we don't... Our churches are fantastic. So, like, if any of our donor churches are listening out there, like, I'm not trying to run you guys down because you guys rock. Um, <laughs> but nationwide, a lot of churches are very silent on the issue. And or our supportive. Or supportive. You know, and I've, I've heard from, not personally, but I've read about pastors, actual pastors with actual seminary degrees, um, supporting abortion. And it's just, to me, I'm like, have you read the Bible, though? Like, have you, have you looked at that? Checked it out recently. It's pretty, pretty clear on murder. It's like a whole commandment about it. <laughs> Um, but they're, they're, they're silent. Um, and I think they're silent because they don't know what to say or they don't know what to do or they don't know how to handle it. And so it's easier because we're humans, right. To just ignore things that we don't understand or to ignore things that make us feel uncomfortable. Like for me, that would be laundry. <laughs> like if I don't go down into the basement, I don't see, you don't it. see it until you are naked. Exactly. <laughs> but like, I don't see it. And so I'm like, my husband will be like, but you were home all weekend. I'll be like, but I didn't see it. <laughs> Like, I can see the dishes, but I yes. can't see the laundry. And Christians, we need to get into the basement and do the laundry. And that means um, educating our teens, um, educating our churches. There's great Bible study. It's called Courageously Pro-Life. See, I can promote myself. Ooh, in that, while you're on that topic, do say a little bit about what it actually, like, Okay, yeah. Covers. So it's a Courageously Pro-Life is a 12-week Bible study because, like, everyone loves quarterlies. <laughs> and um, it covers the um, abortion... There's like, there's three weeks on abortion. So we talk about ancient history, American history, which is now wildly out of date. Um, and then we talk about like abortion in our state. So it encourages people to ask questions and dig into like their state law, which is of course super important now because everyone is so different. Um, then we talk about eugenics and euthanasia, which I felt were super important to include and nobody ever talks about. Um, and then we talk about apologetics. So how to talk about abortion in a kind and loving and biblical way, um, how to teach the next generation how to deal with tough topics like rape and incest and the mother's life, and then um, personal and community responsibility. So the goal is to really take Christians through this journey of like, what does the Bible say? Like every week starts with scripture. You know, what is our, what happened in history? You know, how do we know that, that, that God is pro-life? Because those are questions that people are asking. And a lot of times they don't know the answer. Yeah. 
And if you've sort of swallowed this progressive Christianity of God just wants you to be happy, then, you know, maybe God is okay with abortion if it makes me happy. And that's yeah. not true. If um, it's my truth, I should be allowed to. Exactly. Yeah. And there's lots of like crazy things out there on the internet about like, oh, God is pro-abortion. It's like, he's not, you know. Um, it depends on whose Bible you're reading. Yeah. Well, and or they twist yeah. it. They take like yeah. one Bible verse and they're like, I'm going to make my, you know, the whole argument based on this or whatever. And it's so out of, context. it's just out of context. It's so frustrating. Um, so my, like my big encouragement as churches is to be educated. You know, I don't care if you do my study or another study, but you know, spoiler alert, it's the only one. That's why I wrote it. Um, and it supports. And it supports Promise of Life yes. Network. Yeah. Because I don't even own it. The center owns it. Um, but so, so become educated, educate your kids, know what your kids are up to. Um, and make sure that your kids know that if they get pregnant, that they can come home because I have had so many Christian kids in my, in the room and are talking about their pregnancy. Um, and they're like, my parents are going to throw me out. And it's not necessarily that their parents mean that, but like one day dad was like, I don't know, watching a TV show and some girl, I would throw you out if you got pregnant. And he doesn't mean it, but he said it. And, and the daughter thinks it's like yeah. gospel and that's what they're afraid of. And so tell your kids, like, I love you. I don't want you to have sex. I don't want you to do that. You know, and this is, these are all the reasons why. Um, but if you get pregnant, you can come home. Yeah. Like we love, this is what we expect of you, that you will have this baby and then either make an adoption plan or raise it and we'll help you either way yeah. or raise the baby. Um, and there's so many kids that come into the office and they're like, well, I'm like, well, they're like, I think my parents are pro-life. And I'm like, okay, what would they want you to do if you got pregnant? And they're like, I don't know. Cause they don't know. Yeah. Um, and kids shouldn't have to do that. So, you know, be educated, know what the Bible says and then support the, pre support your pregnancy center. Yeah. Um, whether you're local to us or local to another pregnancy center and like find your local pregnancy center, um, donate time, donate money, donate items. Cause guys, the, it's the landscape is rough right now. Um, I mean, we've spent the last pregnancy centers have spent the last several weeks, like collectively waiting for a Molotov cocktail to get chucked through our window. Yeah. That's no way to live. I think churches and Christians also need to, um, I've heard the argument a lot that they, they steer clear because it's a political issue. Mm -hmm. You need to, no, it's not. I mean, like no, it's, it's out a there. Moral on the, issue. Yeah, it's out there in politics, but that's not where it belongs. And for the church to say, "I don't want to touch that because it's political," like, no. Yeah, like, no. We're <laughs> talking about like, okay, during the Holocaust, would you want your church to have spoken out against Jews being herded into concentration camps? Yeah. Like during the Armenian genocide, would you want your church to speak out about Armenians being shot to death? And you know, I mean, I, and I understand it's hard. And I mean, when you think about it, if the German church had spoken against Hitler, yeah. we know it didn't go well for it's, them. Right. It's not safe yeah. either. No, yeah. it's not safe, yeah. but God isn't safe. Yes. And Christianity I, isn't safe. We've gotten very comfortable and we don't like to do anything that might make somebody mad or make them think that we're judging them. We also need to get past the whole, if I think that abortion is murder, it doesn't mean I'm judging you. Right. I'm judging an action mm -hmm. and it's a truth. Yes. I mean, but we, we've just gotten, well, we can't judge them. We don't know them. We don't know what they did. And... Well, and churches need to approach this from a redemptive standpoint as well. If someone yes. had an abortion or participated in an abortion, mm -hmm. then God forgives. Christ forgives. Yeah. God forgives everything. There isn't like an asterisk with except abortion in the yeah. in the in the footer. Yeah. Um, Where, but it is a sin. Yeah. Where everybody else has been taking away hope, the church needs to let people know. Right. There is hope. There's hope. Yeah. There's there, healing. There's, there's forgiveness. There's a good future. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's Jesus gives that to us because all of us have sinned. And all of us come short. I think that's in the Bible. 
Romans three. I remember it. Yeah, a little bit. Sure vaguely. Yeah. The Romans road. The Romans yeah. road. Yeah, and so yeah, every one of us has sinned and come short, and God's there for that. Jesus is there for that. Awesome. Well, we've been going over an hour, but I have one more question. Go for it. Well, we can. You can even like be, split it in two, and then yeah, we could probably do two parts. I've I've also heard being that I'm a guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed. I'm a man. Uh, that was a little awkward, but anyway. <laughs> I am so perceptive. <laughs> um, I've heard a lot of, hey, you're a guy, you have no say in what happens. Uh, first of all, Where the phrase I'm, is no uterus, no opinion. Yeah, oh, sorry. My bad. My bad. Again, I see. I, I messed up already. <laughs> um, uh, it, but it, it kind of baffles me that most of the lawmakers out there are men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, where for... All us guys out there, how do we approach this uh, this topic? So, okay, so the no uterus, no opinion thing is huge. Um, I do think it's really ironic, though, that people are like, I don't want a bunch of men telling me what to do with my body. A bunch of men shouldn't be making laws like this. And I'm like, but like the original uh, Roe v. Wade decision was decided by all men. Like, so... Yeah. They and, only and, want <laughs> men to make decisions when it benefits what they want. Right, but like they were also white. And I'm like, so based on that, those two things, we should just get rid of it completely. They've canceled everything else. That yeah, has cancel, that cancel the heck out of Roe v. Wade. Like, why do we even have to wait this long? Yeah. Um, so, so a lot of men, and I know you're not one of them, have really backed off of this because they are so deeply afraid of like infringing on a woman's rights or hurting women, and they're told that you have to be an ally, you know, and you have to support abortion no matter what. And it's just so against what God designed men to be. So men are designed to be protectors. They're designed to protect their families, to protect their wives, um, to protect their siblings. They're designed to be providers. And we have taken that away from them and said, you have no rights here. And so, and, and when a, when a girl hears from her dad or from her boyfriend or from whoever, um, whatever guy hears, well, whatever you do, I'll support you. What she's hearing is, I really want you to have an abortion because I don't want to pay for this. You know, I don't want to have to support this baby. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have to be part of this. And so even when the dad desperately wants her to have the baby, he's been just lied to and lied to and lied to that he doesn't have a right to say that. And so he says something really benign, like, oh, whatever you do, I'll support you. And then she interprets that as you should have an abortion. So that's really, that's really devastating when that happens because the father of the baby when he says, I want you to have this baby, she usually has the baby. Not always, but usually. And the other thing is from like a Christian guy perspective, just, you know, regular, you know, non-Christian guy, whatever, you can have an opinion about the murder of children. Like it's, this is that serious. And, and people are, oh, Sarah, you're blowing it out of proportion. I'm not. Like we're talking about killing small children. Like they're very, very small, but they're still people. They're made in God's image. And so I personally would not want to get to heaven and have and tell God, well, you know, I didn't have a uterus, so I didn't feel like I could say anything. <laughs> just um, silent. Just, just so quiet. Um, because silence is agreement. Yeah. And so, yeah, we need men speaking out. We need guys speaking out. And when someone comes at you with, well, you don't have a uterus, like, no, I don't. But when an issue is this important, when an issue is this serious, then, yeah, I'm going to speak out. I'm not going to stay silent. Yeah. Well, and to hold the father accountable mm-hmm. too. Oh, as well absolutely. I'm a huge fan of child support. Yeah. Because, okay, the dad doesn't want the baby. Well, why is that? Yeah. 
you know, th there's a whole slew of reasons with, with uh, the reasons why the dad wouldn't want anything. Mm -hmm. They, you know, I, I'd rather have one hand in this, one foot in the door of this relationship. And that means I'm going to have to commit even more. Oh, yeah. And I just can't do that. And, and as, a, as a Christian man, I can't fathom not being that much of a... a being that little of a man. Oh yeah, to say, oh, I don't want to deal with this. You yeah. should, you should kill our child, my child. Yeah, it's like, crazy. And, it, I, and it, I'm it's... super fun at holidays because like people come up to me and, and complain about like child support, and I'm like, you just, you came to the wrong place. <laughs> Go find someone else. You're yeah, not you might. Like wanna, what I have I'm to say. not gonna be like, oh yeah, you absolutely shouldn't have done. And, and I've actually had, um, I was at a holiday, probably Thanksgiving. It was great. <laughs> so much fun at parties. And one of an extended family member sat down with me and he was complaining about having to pay child support. And I was like, oh my goodness, did she rape you? <laughs> and you didn't report it? And he like, he was like, what? And I'm like, did she force you to get her pregnant? And he's like, oh no, man. And I'm like, the, of course you should pay child support. You should probably pay more than you're paying. Like go get a real job and pay for the child that you, and he like would not talk to me again. Can you believe it? <laughs> But I was just so, I'm like, no, like you don't yeah. get to kill your child so that you don't have to sacrifice some of your paycheck. Yep. And if you don't want to pay child support to someone that you don't like, then don't have sex with those people. Yes. Like it's fairly simple. It's such a simple solution that has been made into, but there's no way that that's realistic. Oh, and I've been told happen. abstinence is not a hundred percent. And I'm like, sperm, little spermies don't fly through the air. <laughs> they don't do it. I'm not a doctor, but I'm like 90% on that. <laughs> I, I can't. They've you grown can't. wings. I, yes. I mean, and honestly, oh. that would be terrifying. <laughs> Flying sperm. Yes. In the air. Oh, my god. But even gosh. then, I mean, wear underwear. Like, you'll be fine. Oh, but, my god. Um, so it's just... <laughs> this podcast just took a dark turn. Um, and then, so now there's this, this movement on social media, which I, for one, am loving, of women who are coming out and they're like, you know what? Fine. I'm not going to have sex with someone unless they're committed to me. And they're going to have to sign a contract saying that they will support me and our child if I become pregnant. And I'm like, you literally just reverse engineered marriage. <laughs> like we've been it's doing like we that. we tricked them. I know. We it's, call like, that a covenant. Yeah. I mean, like we've done it. And I'm like just we've watching. Been doing that. It's like the popcorn meme where you're just like, oh is this gosh. really happening? Yes. People are saying like, well, if men want consequence-free sex, they better get us abortion back. And I'm like, yeah. So don't tell me that abortion is not at least in part about consequence-free sex and being able to hook up with whomever you want to yeah. without having to worry about a child. Yeah. Or, and, and that's not what God designed sex to be. Yeah. Um, Can we talk about that? What? Sex. What? I've already said the word <laughs> like seventy two times from the from the biblical oh, standpoint, yeah. uh, like the covenant well, and everything. Yeah, Tom's like, could Sarah stop ranting for <laughs> five wait, seconds? Hold it back. is a Bible bo podcast, so hold that. Yeah. Okay, so I want to go back because when you were talking about like how men, like what men were designed to be, and obviously like that's also not talked about because right. how dare you say that men are supposed to protect and provide? But I want you to talk a little bit about like your family dynamic because it could almost make it sound like you're like I'm this... like I'm a giant hypocrite. Yeah, yeah, but like, but I'm totally not. Yes, right. Yes. Yes. Okay. You understand what so, I'm yes, saying. I okay. Saying. All right. So <laughs> I just got really confused. <laughs> Dom is like, I don't like, understand. I what don't you're want saying. it to be like people are thinking, oh, this is just a woman who sits at home and her husband tells her what to do, and that's and I don't want to listen to somebody like this. Oh, like, that's true. No, no one I wouldn't want to listen to someone like that either. I totally understand. Okay, so my family dynamic actually is super interesting. So I was planning on being like the stay-at-home mom. That was the plan. It was a really good jam for a couple of years. And then my husband um, got hurt at work. 
and could no longer work. And we lived for six months on unemployment and unemployment was running out because it used to do that. And um, doesn't anymore. Still be living on unemployment. I just love the little just, jabs. Let's <laughs> just put this right here and just see what happens. Just going to lay that out there. Yeah. Just, just leave it. It's nothing to do with pro-life. Um, that, and, um, and I told my husband, I'm like, I have to work. Like, you can't work. And, and that was hard. Like, that is super really young hard. when that happened, too. So young. I was 24, 25, 24. I was young. And he was two years older. And um, so right when that happened, of course, I had I really didn't have any professional experience at the time because we got married um, right before my senior year of college and I was pregnant by Christmas. And so like we had our, our son and, and I had been volunteering at the pregnancy center and I had done I had covered maternity leave for the director at the time um, and that kind of thing. So I was already like with the pregnancy center. And I think actually, I think at that time I was working like part time. I was the assistant director, which is the most overblown thing because I was working like four hours a week. <laughs> And so I had this like super cool, I'm like, I'm the assistant director. It was like the old, there were two employees. They were like, what should we call her? And they're like, well, she's to the regional manager. Yes. Yes. Okay. It's just like that. And so, um, right when we were like kind of at the end of our ropes, like we have to do something, a full-time position opened up at the pregnancy center. It was paying like 12 bucks an hour. I was driving 45 minutes to make 12 bucks an hour. And I worked as the development director. So I got us through the merge in 2012 and then I worked as the development director for, which is like, it's fundraising. So 2013 and, and part of 14. And then I became the director in 2014. So I've been working full-time since then. We had two more kids. Um, my husband is more or less a full-time stay-at-home dad. Yes. So he has recovered pretty well from his injury. He could never go back to like full-time mechanic work, which is what he was doing. Cause it would definitely like flare up pretty much right away. Um, but he works part-time um, between him and me and his mom and my mom. We homeschool the kids um, and he's like super invested in the ministry and loves what I do, but I'm not, I'm definitely not like this, like, and not that being a stay at home no. mom is bad at all, but like, I'm very much a professional woman. Like I get up every day and I go to work. Um, sometimes it's hard cause I want to stay home and hang out with the kids and be with them. And some days it's really easy. Cause yeah. I'm like, wow, they're in really bad moods. You know, good luck I'm with leaving. that. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Godspeed. Yes. Work. Save some babies. Um, and my kids love what I do. They all know at they're seven through 12, almost 13, and they all know at their level what an abortion is. And they know that, that I work against that. And they know that they can help with that by like yeah. unloading diapers. And um, and they've helped with one of mine just helped with the mailing last week. Like that kind of thing. And so, and they love it. So it's very much a family ministry. Yeah. It's a family thing. It's a family. It's just something we all yeah. do together that's really important. Um, but I'm, you know, that's my job. Like I work full time mm-hmm. in this. And we aren't rich, um, but we can pay our bills and put food on the table and it's a you're rich because of what you do. Yes. And I love it. I've always wanted to do this. It's just been my dream since I was 12, which is super weird. That's awesome. Yeah. No one does that. Like no 12 year old (laughs) is like, I want to end abortion. And I was like, by golly, it would be you out of all of the 12. Yeah. And I remember like at 12 thinking, Oh my goodness, like people are going to realize how awful abortion is and they're going to like end it. I'm going to miss out on the whole thing. Like I was the whole thing. I was hardcore. Like I'm going to miss it. Like, I wanted to, so that was when Lila Rose is almost exactly my age, which is my claim to fame. She has no idea who I am. Um, and she was going into Planned Parenthood at the time as, like, an undercover patient and exposing, and she was, like, 14. Yeah. And I remember telling my mom, like, I wanted her to drive me to Planned Parenthood so I could go undercover, <laughs> and she would not let me. Can you believe it? I don't know why. I know. I was, like, I was so mad. I was, like, this is a reasonable thing to do. And she's, like, it is absolutely not. <laughs> this crazy homeschool girl wants to go. <laughs> 
But like, I just, I love your family dynamic because he is still providing for your family. Oh, yeah. He's providing for you to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. He's homeschooling the kids. But I think we just live in a society that hears, you know, man provides, woman has to stay home. And like, I mean, I'm basically a stay-at-home mom. And I'm fine with that. And I just, I just hate that there's just such a stereotype that yeah. like, if you're a stay-at-home mom, it's horrible. Or if your husband doesn't work, it's horrible. Well, and the thing is, like, you can be a stay-at-home mom, and that's great, but there's there's no reason a dad can't stay home. Yeah. Like, he's not somehow fundamentally flawed and incapable of, of staying home. Now, I'm really blessed because, so I had um, Zeke, well, my third, while I was working full-time, and I took him to work with me for six months, every day. He was, like, the best work baby. <laughs> he would, like, lay on the floor during meetings. I could nurse him. I, he slept by the copier. Really hope that doesn't cause cancer. And... Um, <laughs> I think it was like the white noise or something. I mean, he just yeah. loved oh, yeah. it. And yeah. I used to bring his little bouncer to, to work and he would sleep at work and I could have him there. And then when he started crawling, he had to stay home. Here's the boot. Yeah. Bye. I'm like, yeah, you can't be crawling around yanking stuff off shelves. Like, that's not okay. Um, and so that was really cool. And yeah. and it didn't really impact my ability to work. I mean, I'm a mom. Like, I can yeah. do stuff with one hand. And then we had Jonah. And Jonah was a very special child. <laughs> like, cried. Is it the fourth child thing? Oh, my goodness. He cried for a year. Like, there's no, we did everything. We did Eastern medicine, Western medicine. We did middle medicine. We did, like, there was literally a season where I had to stay up until midnight with him, and my husband got up at midnight because he would not sleep unless he was being held. And so I tried to take him to work. I took him, like, twice, and I was like, oh, mama's not doing this. (laughs) And so he did come occasionally, but most of the time he stayed home. And, and it was just, but it's just like, it, families don't have to look like a stereotype. Like it doesn't yeah. have to be both parents working. It doesn't have to be one parent working full time and another parent staying home. Like you can do whatever works for you yeah. and that's okay. Which I love. Yes. And that's, I think a good encouragement. Just in general. Yes. yes. Yeah. And, and sometimes it can be hard, like, especially when he first started staying home, like there was a lot of stigma and, um, we had a family member who shall remain nameless that <laughs> referred to it as an alternative lifestyle. And I was like, you really need to not do that. Like, that's not what that means. And then I was like, I told her what alternative lifestyle means. She was, she was like, I just told all my church friends. And I was like, you oh need dear. to go and tell them. Go and undo that. I have to like visit you on Easter. Like you cannot. She just stand up in front of the church and be like, just to clarify, this is not an alternative lifestyle. <laughs> not an alternative lifestyle. <laughs> so yeah, so Sarah's super comfortable talking about sex. Uh-huh. So yes, let's talk about, did you have an actual question or just? Oh no, I wanted to just clarify. Just talk about. Biblic- the biblical process. Uh, that, I mean, because we, we look at marriage in America, especially there's a, there's a process, you know, you, you date, you court, whatever it might be. And then, uh, you go to a wedding if you, if you have that. And then you, you know, after, supposed to afterwards have all the sex that you want. Right. Okay. So it is generally but, how it's supposed to work. <laughs> so biblically, uh, especially in the new Testament, there's more evidence that when you are engaged, that's what we would consider the marriage vows. All right, so they're under this covenant. Now, throughout the Old Testament, there's all these different laws where there's all these different kind of covenants and stuff where the covenants are p- brought together and there needs to be some sort of, you know, who signs on the dotted line, mm-hmm. you know? And in order to do that, what what had to happen was that there was a spilling of blood. So there would be a, an animal sacrifice. We did not do that, uh, by the way. It, well, thank That's you. That's good to know. <laughs> so, it got um, close a couple times and it wasn't an animal. No, we did not. <laughs> So, um, so this is where it's going to get awkward. In in a marriage covenant, it is not complete until there is blood that is drawn or spilt, whatever you want right. to call it. 
All right. So where does that blood come from? It comes from the virgin. Okay. See, that's not, that's not true though. Not really. Not like, always. You can yeah. Be, you can but be as it, pure as the driven snow and still not yeah. have an intact hymen. Yeah. Or if you're which hymen made breaks. It, which made like a whole bunch of issues if, you know, that, that didn't actually happen because they checked. Yeah. But like <laughs> most know? women, like in, yeah. in those times weren't like playing lacrosse. Yeah. <laughs> like that didn't really yeah. happen. Riding bicycles. Hor- yeah. Horseback riding. Yeah. 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 Like that. I mean, maybe, I guess maybe cam- uh, camel. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. um, but yeah, I mean like there doesn't, and I think that virginity is important. Um, it's not 1990s purity culture important, but it is important. <laughs> um, but it's, it is important to know that like, even if you wait for sex until you're married, which I did, a lot of people don't, a lot of people do wait till engagement. Um, which again, I'm kind of like, okay, but is your engagement a covenant? Mm-hmm. Like not it was, in America, not in America. Right. Yeah. Like I could go up, I could walk down the aisle and they say, do you take this man? And I could say no and yeah. walk away. And that wasn't really how it was in, you know, yeah. Bible times. You couldn't yeah. really do that. Like by the time you were engaged, you were committed. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know whether or not it, you wanted to be. It was a very shaming thing if you. Yeah. Big di- Big yeah. difference. Yeah, it was almost like a, I mean, it was a divorce. I mean, that's what yeah. when Mary when Mary was found to be pregnant, Joseph would have had to divorce her. It wasn't like just oh, I'm not going to marry you now. Yeah. Like they were already committed to each other. And um, the alternative from that too, there's only one choice, and that would to become to, a harlot. Yeah. 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 And so in America, and it's not like that necessarily, but. Sex is not like you're not going to get married and then all of a sudden sex is great and easy and everything's perfect. Like sex is actually weirdly challenging. And um when you first get married, especially if you're both virgins, it's kind of confusing. <laughs> like I had friends, also virgins, who I will not mention in case I share this on Facebook, but they'll know who they are. <laughs> but like they bought a book cuz they were and I quote, we didn't know where her legs went. Like, this is an actual conversation. They were married three weeks before us. And I was like, well, you're going to have to tell me because now I feel like I don't know. Um, And so it's important. It was, this is a a real story. We'll we'll have to show her the children's book that we, We where Willie went. Oh, wow. Yeah. We'll have to show you that. That sounds concerning. It's, it's about, it's a children's book uh, full of the illustrations as well of the couple Coming together and the mom getting pregnant. And okay. Willie is yeah. the sperm. Oh. Yeah, Willie is the God. sperm. Yeah. Okay. All right, so. Yeah, not that Willie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, really needs to leave this strange little room now. Um, so, but the, but sex, God does not hate us. And God is not out to ruin your fun. And God is not out to make your life miserable. Like, he's not up there on his throne just like, wow, let me see how many people I can screw up today. He wants us to be well. He wants us to be, dare I say, happy, even though that's not our overwhelming goal. Um, he wants us to, to live our best lives in today's vernacular. And saving sex for a lifelong commitment, commonly known as marriage, although now is reinvented, is the healthiest thing for us. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like whenever we mention biblical sexuality, one man, one woman joined together forever like for the rest of their lives people act like we're like wanting them to like saw their arm off but it really is for our our best and it's it's for it's it's what is healthiest for us and I used to tell kids when I was teaching abstinence um, back in like the mid-2000s I would say you know what we could knock out all STDs in one generation Hmm. yeah yeah we could and they're all like no you can't I'm like yeah if everyone committed to only being with one other person for the rest of their lives, we would have no, we wouldn't have STDs. Yeah. 
And I mean, some of the lies that go with that are you can have sex that doesn't affect you. Yeah. Like I've got no strings attached or I, it won't harm me emotionally. And, and it's just not true. It's, it's not. It's not true. And, and I've, I've sat across from way too many teenagers who are devastated, not because they're pregnant. Maybe they're not, you know, maybe they're not pregnant. They're devastated because they're being abused by their teenage boyfriend. They're devastated because they're being pimped out by their teenage boyfriend. Um, and, and boys too. And I'm not trying to make this like boys are the devil and girls are innocent angels because it can go both ways. I just mostly work with girls. So that's yeah. going to be my frame of reference. Um, but girls, these, these teenagers of either gender, like they don't want to have these like crazy sex lives. And we had a girl come in, um, for an STD test. I think maybe it was a pregnancy test. I don't remember. She came into the office and she told us how many partners she had, which was sort of a normal number. It would probably sound high to us, but it wasn't like crazy high for what we deal with. And, um, but it came out that like, she didn't like sex. Yeah. And we were like, well, have you thought about not having sex? And she's like, you can do that. And we're like, heck yeah, you can. You could say you're not going to have sex until you get married. And she's like, that's freaking incredible. It's like, amazing that's a great idea. the amount of naive people you realize that there are. Yeah. And who, who say things in a very sweet, innocent way that oh, like, they really have no idea. Yeah, she had never been told in her entire life that Jesus loved her, that he, he, that he, um, that he wrote this, this book called The Bible to tell you all about him, and that you could wait to have sex until you get married. It changed that, that day. Because they're told they can do whatever they want. And that they should. Yes. And that if they don't like it, that they are inherently flawed, or they have some weird sexuality that they now have to identify. Because if I don't enjoy heterosexual sex, that must mean I am not heterosexual. And we never address the fact that, no, you're not enjoying no-strings-attached heterosexual sex because you're not designed to, to partake in no-strings-attached heterosexual yeah. sex. Yes. And, and for the guy side, too, there's a certain status that they have to achieve or maintain where, okay, I, I need to be this kind of a man who can, quote-unquote, conquer. That mm -hmm. was a big thing when I was in high school. It, you get you got to go around and you have to conquer yeah and it was like that's your only real reason why you want to be with this other person and for some reason yeah so i don't know i can't say how many you know or, or how prevalent it was but yeah that that kind of stuff was happening mm -hmm. and and it's it, probably it can't be healthy more, no it's absolutely not and, and i see that every day but it's definitely more prevalent in college so we are seeing higher percentages of teenagers, um, high school students choosing not to have sex. And I think it's honestly because the stakes are so high. Like back in the day, so um, when I was first starting at the pregnancy center, uh, we used to have these abstinence videos done by Pam Senzel. I love Pam Senzel. And she used to say like, go home at Thanksgiving and ask your grandparents like how many STDs they had. Well, my grandma was a public health nurse. Like we had a great discussion at Thanksgiving. I told you it's always Thanksgiving. I thought my grandfather was going to die, like just melt into a puddle. I'm like, grandma, how many STDs? And she's like, well, she's like drawing diagrams using turkey and it was bad. But it was, I mean, they basically had like two. It was like syphilis and... Um, I forget what the other one was because it was back in the 50s. So it would have been pretty much before HIV. But it was basically two STDs, maybe gonorrhea. I don't know. And now you're not only are, are there over 30, um, but there a lot of them are becoming antibiotic resistant. So even the ones that you used to be able to treat are now harder to treat. And we see that at the center where we're testing for cure and we're not getting the cure that we expect because of the, the drug, because it's the first line treatment isn't working. Um, which is very concerning because then you have to use tougher antibiotics to get it out, to, to get rid of it. Um, and then there's the STDs you have to live with for the rest of your life. And and I have talked to 14-year-old girls who would now have herpes. And they are going to have herpes forever. And do they all understand 
I think that like STIs, STDs have been like dumbed down to mm-hmm. where it makes it sound like it's not really a big deal. Yeah. Where they don't realize what that actually looks like to have one for your life. Yeah. I mean, she definitely understood. Yeah. Like she was very mature. Um, and it was definitely a case of, of an older man taking advantage, which should never have happened. But, and it was handled. And this was a hundred years ago. This was like when I first started. Um, but yeah, but I remember just the realization dawning on her that she's in her mid teens and she's now, she has a disease that she's going to carry forever. And most of them would pass to a child. She, um, if they, if they know about it, they could do a, I don't even know, but I think a C-section or something. Okay. But if they um, don't know about it, if it they could, don't know. Yeah, yeah. You can absolutely pass it to your baby. If not during pregnancy, then potentially during delivery or afterwards. So yeah, and there's a lot of the, it's not a, sex is not a low risk proposition and it's not just pregnancy. In fact, pregnancy is not even the worst thing that can happen to you. Yeah. I don't know how like pregnancy and like babies became the worst. I feel like there's just so many other things that come with it that are lifelong damaging. Mm -hmm. Well, and I tell people all the time, like God designed pregnancies to end. Like I'm actually a huge favor of terminating pregnancies. I just think you should wait nine months. When the baby is born, naturally. Yeah, naturally, yeah. That's the end of pregnancy, and then you're not pregnant anymore. It's like, it's great. It happens every single time. We and promise then it does come It really an does. Usually, and, and I, I joke that, like, not only am I a fan of terminating pregnancies, but I've never been more of a fan than when I was nine months along. And I'm like, I would like this pregnancy to terminate. Me. <laughs> Get out of Terminating a pregnancy does not mean killing the child. It yes. means ending the pregnancy, which can happen with a healthy yes. and safe labor and delivery. And using that terminology for abortion is very misleading. Yes. Because you are not just ending a pregnancy no no all pregnancies end yes it's that's how they work yeah yeah i don't care what that weird lady who was on a dr phil says <laughs> everyone else but like when we're talking about like how sex is designed for in, in marriage and all of the things that go along with it it's pretty easy to look and see if somebody is a single parent well okay you, you chose to have sex outside of marriage and now you are not with the baby's father anymore. He was abusive. He won't pay you child support. You can't get a job. You can't get child care. We want to care for you, but like those things should all be something that you realize are caused mm-hmm. by these by these kind of lifestyles. Yeah. And life is, I mean, life is complex. Yes. And I've definitely talked to girls who are having sex because they have to have a place to live. And I've talked to girls who are having sex because that's all they, that's all they know. Um, but that's what the church is for, right? Like, to help people in their brokenness and to help people in their difficulty and to lift them up out of that and help them find that hope and help them find a new way to live. Yeah. And that's what Good pregnancy stuff. centers do when we're not being bombed. Well, hey, you still do it pretty well while being Actually, we have, um, back, uh, we had backup plans so that none of our parenting clients would miss out on one week's worth of diapers. Awesome. Because I'm not okay. letting someone keep the babies that we help from getting what they need. Yeah. So go check out your local pregnancy centers, ask for a tour, see what they're doing, ask how you can get involved. Um, they're awesome. And if you're local, go to promiseoflifenetwork.org. There's four locations. There are four locations. And we would love to have your support, your volunteer work, and your prayers. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening to the hashtag one fear podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and, uh, we uh, look for us on our website at onefear.net and spread the word. Give us that five star. And remember, it's only the one through four are only there to get to the five. All right. So uh, without further ado, live such good lives. Yes.